My guest, Dr. Gross, is a nationally recognized family therapist. After the loss of her college-age daughter, she never thought she would survive. But our conversation about her book, The Only Way Out is Through, offers strategies for dealing not only with profound grief, but how also to cope and even thrive after any loss, whether it's of a loved one, a job, or just one's own self-confidence. And as always, a special thanks to my patrons who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy listening, please subscribe and visit my website, barrykibrick.com, to become a supporter of this show or to get in touch with me directly. Dr. Gross, welcome to the show. This is such an important topic, and I'm very thankful you joined me today. Thank you for having me, Barry. Oh, it's my pleasure. The reason what, first of all, the first words you use is something that I actually had on my business cards. You quote Leonard Cohen and you quote him, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. Mm -hmm. That has been a motto of mine. And it literally sets the tone for where you're taking us with grief. Yes. It's actually what the book is about. In, in the most simplest, clearest uh, perspective, that when something hurts us, traumatizes us, traumatizes us, then there's a crack in our psyche, in our persona, and we fall psychologically into this place with no scaffolding and no structure. I call it the valley of despair. A lot of psychologists would call it the neutral zone. But I say the valley of despair because it's in this place that if we do inner work and we recognize and acknowledge the patterns that compel us, that cause our complexes and our compensations, if we can reintegrate back into ourselves the um, shadow material, the disowned material that we have expressed throughout our entire life, then we can become whole again. And then suddenly... All the energy we use to suppress and repress our feelings is returned to us. And now we have our libido back, our vitality back, and we can move forward into a larger us. Well, in fact, you, you almost want us to stay in that valley of despair yes. as long as we need to. Because yes. as you say, that's where, where the, the soil is the richest almost. The that's, fertility, you, you, the fertilizer is, lies in the valley of despair. Exactly. The fertility of life is in that valley. And because it's where all the disowned material lies, it's with all, where all the shadow lies. Shadow is not not a bad thing. It's really that part of us that's with disowned, that we've disowned. So it's unknown to us, but we project out our disowned material all the time. We just don't recognize it as, as patterns from our childhood. Now, the book, though, begins with dealing with the hardest grief there is, the loss of a child. And that's mm -hmm. what you did. You, you lost your, your beautiful daughter in college from a heart disease you, no one even knew she had. She mm -hmm. died in her sleep. We, mm -hmm. we can only hope peacefully. Mm -hmm. And yet you've, you, really, you really became this aware by going through mm -hmm. that valley 
mm-hmm. of despair by going through it. That's your big push is you must mm-hmm. go. It's the title of the book. The only way out through. is through it. Exactly. Because um, I wasn't originally going to write about my own personal story. I was going to give a prescription, if you will, on how to deal with life's transitions. Because we're the only species on Earth that knows we're going to die. And therefore, all day long, we have little deaths. We have someone says something nice to you, you feel happy. Someone says something sad to you, you feel alienated. And so we have annihilation and rebirth all day long. And from this annihilation and rebirth, we're really practicing, in a sense, for our own death. So we spend our whole life distracting ourselves from that one piece of information that no one is getting out alive, we're all going to die. And every transition that we have in life, change of a job, change of a marriage, change of a friendship, um, empty nest, new marriage, grandchildren, last section of life, midlife, all these transitions are small deaths and rebirths. They're the ending of something and the rebirth of something new, the change, the transition. And the way to make that transition successfully is what Carl Jung called the transcendent function, which is the valley of despair. But in my own story, I... I did follow this model, but I wasn't going to use myself until a mother heard me on television and she uh, talking about 9-11 and talking about death and talking about uh, repairing that part of ourselves that we, we lose when we die, when, we, when someone we love dies. And she excoriated me in this email saying, you know, what did I know? about death. What did I, you know, here I was in this ivory tower, according to her, you know, just, you know, talking about something that I didn't know anything about. So I answered her email and I said, sadly, I understand exactly how you feel. And sadly, I know um, exactly where you are because I too have lost a child and I can meet you therefore at that edge. And as a result, I realized that to be authentic, I had to tell my story and show how this uh, model worked in my life. But one thing you know in the Valley of Despair, you say it, I'm going to use your words, although the steps may unfold in a linear fashion, it is more likely that they will be overlapping and even repeating. I think that's the most important thing when you're dealing with any grief, like you said, Mm -hmm. whether it's the loss of a job. I'm not even going to talk about the loss of a child. I think that's Mm -hmm. a grief that still stands Mm -hmm. apart, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Mm But the loss of a job, loss of of, of a friendship, loss of whatever, is that you think you've recovered and you don't. And then when you think you recovered, and you don't, you then start hating yourself for not being able to stay right. recovered. Right. That's where I find this vicious right. cycle that needs to be broken. Right, and that's exactly right. It's a very, um, very good, uh, that very good that you saw that. That's right. There's an ebb and flow to where we're a living organism, and as a living organism, we can't cut our head off at our neck. We're one thing. In fact, the body is used as a metaphor to so much of the feelings we have. But doctor, that's 
where you say in the Valley of Despair that that's where you're allowed to let the pain wash over you. Yes. That's what we don't do so much. We fight the pain. We want to fight this. That's what your whole book's about mm-hmm. is to stop the fighting. Mm-hmm. Let it wash over you. Because when you, when you lose a child or a job or a mate or any transition, you're in pain. But that pain does not have to be suffering. If you contract against the pain, you'll suffer. But if you let the pain be and let the pain wash over you, then it passes. And there are moments when you're light again. And there are moments when you can laugh again and you can be with other people again. And so you have to allow other people to have their grief and you have to let yourself have your grief. That requires you to be gentle with yourself. We're an organism, a human organism. We're not a robot. People always refer to us as something mechanical. But we're not mechanical. We're really uh, uh, flesh and blood and feelings. Well, you even say that when we suppress the grief, the body still knows it. That's and right. And it'll come out in the body. I've always said mm-hmm. it's not mind over body. It's listening to your body to shape your mind because your body will realize what you're doing, even if you don't. And so when you're upset and you repress your feelings, then your body is used as a metaphor. And then you get sick. It's always an event that causes the spiral of the emotion. Join us each week on the Well Beyond Medicine podcast as we explore the 80% of child health impacts that occur outside the doctor's office. Listen and subscribe at NemoursWellBeyond.org, where you'll hear pediatric experts, researchers, and policymakers from around the world discussing ways they are revolutionizing children's health. I'm your host, Carol Vassar. Let's go. You say the bottom line is you must follow your natural rhythm. That's right. And that's what I think. A, it's hard for people to know their natural rhythm. And B, they almost get consumed, and we'll talk about this a lot, by the guilt. Guilt is the big bugaboo of grief. Yes. Because you can't help but somehow feel it was your Yes, of course. You know, it's grief in search of a transgression. And at the end of the day, all grief is attached to change because we're leaving something behind. And so when we lose someone we love, it's a particular kind of grief. And that that is really part of mourning. And it's an extra intense grief that carries with it that sense of could I have done something to have changed this? In my own story, I tell the story of talking to my daughter every day of her life and ending every phone call with, I love you. And on this particular day, I had to meet my husband at a meeting. I had to go somewhere else first. So she called and I said, sweetheart, I'll call you later. I'm late for these appointments. And I said, goodbye, I love you. And that I had actually helped a friend who was 
going through a crisis and had used up a lot of time in that phone call. I didn't have it when my daughter called. And so a phone call stopped at, in, at first light with a relationship that said, I love you every single day of her life, left me with the burden of that guilt of saying, I, I have to call you later. But you say that one of your, in, through there's 10 strategies, by the way, mm -hmm. we, we're gonna talk about them just in, mm -hmm. in the peripheral like this, but one of them is that you must choose life. Yes, and it has to be a conscious choice. I remember after my daughter died, say a year later, I was in a store and a woman, uh, a salesperson, I knew had lost her child. And so I spoke with her and I said, how are you doing? And what are you doing to get through this? Because when you lose a child, you start suddenly recognizing other people who have lost children. And more than that, <clears throat> you wanna know how they're, how they're managing. And she showed me her wrists and she had slit her wrists. And I came home and I thought, wow, it really is a choice. You have to choose to live through this. And if you choose life, then everything shifts. But if you don't choose life, then the tragedy of losing your child also has you lose whatever is left of the vitality of your life. And you sometimes say that this valley of despair when you're in it, it's also that time when you get to know who you are. Yes. And that's, if there's that, when we talked about that crack in everything, mm -hmm. if, if that's any of the light that gets in, mm -hmm. that better be some of it, is to mm -hmm. get to know who you are. And sometimes for the first time. That's right. Because most people live and die unconsciously. And in that valley of despair is time out, where you're spending time doing inner work. And inner work is being with yourself. And at first it's very uncomfortable because most people distract themselves all day long from themselves. But unless you stop, you know that line in the Bible, be still and know that I am God. Unless you're still, unless you quiet yourself and do inner work, you cannot find your inner voice and you cannot hear it. But if you find your inner voice and you listen, then it'll lead you forward because that inner voice is your own unconscious. And it only wants one thing, to bring you to consciousness. And when you become conscious, life becomes deliberate and not accidental or random. And you use these words, you can't be repaired. You can, however, be remade psychically and emotionally. That's the mm -hmm. thing I think so many people when, again, no matter what the grief is, is that you, you wanna be fixed. Right. And there's no fixing. Right. It's all within, and the deeper you go within, the better off you're going to be. Exactly, because when something happens to you, that boss comes in and says you're fired, or your best friend betrays you, or your mate leaves you, or you lose your mate, or you lose your child, immediately that trauma makes that crack. And when that crack happens and you're traumatized, then you don't know where to go with it. You don't know how to go forward. And it's only from stopping and going in that you can rebuild the and reconstruct that which has been completely deconstructed. The psyche 
has been all the defenses that you have in place from birth to that moment are blown away as if somebody shot a cannon in your chest and all the defenses go away. And so you're grieving and you're leaking energy. You cannot restore those defenses and you're very vulnerable. But interestingly enough, when you're unpeeled like an onion without defenses, you're the most attractive you'll ever be in your life. Why? Because that's who you really are, the natural self. People always ask me because they know I'm close with His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. And they always say to me, what is his gift? And I always say, it's not what you think it is. It's not that he brought Buddhism to the West. No, it's that he brought the natural man to the West. He's teaching us by being. He's modeling for us what it is to be who we really are meant to be, natural, the real us. Which is why you even reinforce that when you go through this latter stage of what you call re-entry, mm -hmm. you have to allow yourself to laugh. That's right. At least once. Once you can break that, yes. then you could seem seemingly go on. Laughter, I, I try to tell people, just put that smile on even if you have to fake it, mm -hmm. because it will lead you to that sense of happiness. Well, just smiling makes chemical changes in the body. So you're very wise. But also, it's, it's also the idea that we've been deconstructed down to the bottom. There must be chaos before there can be something new. We're seeing that in our world scene. We're seeing on the world scene all this chaos. But out of chaos comes re rebirth, something new. And so you've been completely deconstructed, and now you're going to reconstruct but you're going to do it in a different way. You're going to do it consciously. You said in a different way. You also mentioned that men and women mm -hmm. grieve in a different way. Your questions are great. <laughs> I always I'll keep a, a lexicon, the things I want to remember to bring up. Absolutely. We are very different. We are different biologically. And our brains are different biologically. And men are much different in the way they grieve than women, which is why 80% of all marriages that deal with real serious grief, losing a child, end up in divorce. Because they cannot help each other grieve. They're grieving so differently. A woman is all about relationships, and she's carrying her feelings with her all day long. So she's carrying her grief with her all day long. Men compartmentalize better, and they go to the office or wherever they're going to go during the day. Women go to the office also. But a man will go, and he'll compartmentalize. And he'll put aside his grief to do whatever that task at hand is. Women bring their feelings to their tasks. But you also assure us, and I think this is somewhat what you meant when you brought in the Dalai Lama, it's not about recovering. And you mentioned this before, I want to get it even a little clearer. It's about being authentic. That's right. Authenticity mm -hmm. is probably one of the hardest things, even though you'd think to be mm -hmm. authentic would be the easiest right. thing a person can do. We put on so many masks. Yes. We put on so many things. It's the authenticity that right. is hidden. And sometimes, again, it takes a loss of some sort to bring that right. out. Right. Because the ma mask has to break, 
the mask, you know, even the word persona is Greek. We use the word persona for it's actually the, the masks we walk in the world with. But when we're deconstructed by grief, by trauma, then, and we are in the process of, de- of reconstructing, now we have a chance to know who we really are because our defenses are gone. We don't even have the strength to resurrect them. We feel vulnerable and alone, like about seven years old. And we cannot uh, in any way be the person we were before. There's a new normal now. People try to resurrect the old way, but it just can't happen. And now we have a chance to be who we really are. And that authenticity makes us self-actualized. And we need that mourning period to sometimes bring, not sometimes, to bring that out. And again, it's not just mourning over a loved one. It could be the mourning over even, you know what? It could be the mourning even over your own sense of depression. That's right. Even your own inner thoughts. Of course. Because, you know, there is a particular kind of grief, which is the loss of someone you love. But beyond that, the other griefs that we all feel have a similar dynamic. And that dynamic takes us either backwards to the old way, if we run back to the way we were before, then we're struggling for the rest of our lives and many times become paralyzed. A dissonance occurs and we become paralyzed, unable to go forward, creating new things, having new ideas, stepping back into life. But on the other hand, if we do the inner work, then we can move forward. We can move forward into our natural self, our authentic self, and have the vitality return to us, the energy, creative energy return to us that's necessary for that expansion, that growth. Well, that's why the one thing you say is hope is your ally. Right. And hope is that kind of almost a wishy word because Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we can't really attach something Mm -hmm. to it. But it is the thing, as you say, that really can diffuse the fears we have. Right. Well, you know the story, the paradox, when all the the, um, things leave the, the box of Pandora. Oh, yes. The one thing left at the bottom is hope. And it's hope that is our positive energy, our life source. It's our, really, our deep psyche speaking to us, saying, choose, choose life, choose consciousness so you can have life. Because if you go back, you've given yourself a death sentence to the old patterns of the way you were. But if you allow yourself to hold the tension in the valley of despair, do the inner work. Don't make anything happen. Just do the inner work. Then you will automatically integrate back your disowned shadow material where the fertility is. That will give you back the energy that you've used to suppress your feelings rather than deal with them. That energy returns to you, and now your libido is back, your vitality is back, and you've integrated back your disowned shadow material, which makes you complete and whole again but different. Now you can move forward, actually more vital than before the 
the onset of that trauma, whatever it was, more vital because now you have information you didn't have before about yourself. Thank you so much, Dr. Gross, for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you for having me, Barry. Now, before we go, I'd like to leave you with these words from The Only Way Out is Through. Whether we are dealing with the end of a relationship, the end of a job, or the end of any particular stage in life, the process of grief demands courage, choice, and ultimately rebirth. Be well, dear listeners, and remember, the only way out is through. So hope you enjoyed, and please consider becoming a patron of our show by visiting barrykibrick.com.